Welcome to Grading the Nutmeg, the podcast of Connecticut history, brought to you by the state historian at UConn Hartford and Connecticut Explored, the magazine of Connecticut history. I'm Walt Woodward. The story behind this episode started with the high-profile heist in 1991 of a stained glass window from the 19th century mausoleum of a New London industrialist. The window was designed by world-famous artist Louis Comfort Tiffany. Tiffany, best known for his brilliant innovations in glass, had deep Connecticut roots. A new permanent exhibition about his work, including a hundred fine and decorative arts objects, is now on view at the Lyman Allen Art Museum in New London. Join curator Tanya Port and museum director Sam Quigley to discover more about Tiffany's career, his family ties to New London, and his lifelong pursuit of beauty. Hi, I'm Mary Donahue, assistant publisher of Connecticut Explored. The Lyman Allen Art Museum has just opened a new permanent exhibit of the work of Louis Comfort Tiffany. This beautifully staged exhibit features one gorgeous object after another. But the story begins in 1991, when a stained glass window was stolen from the 19th century mausoleum of local industrialist Frank Loomis Palmer in New London, Connecticut Cedar Grove Cemetery. One of these windows was by famed glass artist Tiffany. It turns out that stealing stained glass windows is more common than you'd think. But in this case, the thieves hadn't reckoned on a persistent detective. For more than two months, Detective William Discorda tracked leads as far north as Maine and back into Rhode Island, where two suspects were charged with trafficking the valuable windows. The Loomis window had been sold for a mere 450 bucks. The recovered window, as well as its mate, went into storage due to fears that it would be stolen again. But this very window, as well as two others by Tiffany, are now on display at the Lyman Allen Art Museum, offering us insight into a prosperous period in London's history and its role as a popular seaside resort for the wealthy. Let's hear more from our guests Tanya Port and Sam Quigley. This exhibit is so beautiful. I knew Tiffany had family roots in Connecticut, but I had no idea about his connections to New London. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I mean, I think to to tell that story, one needs to go back a generation briefly and to know that Louis Comfort Tiffany's parents both come from Eastern Connecticut, from the region around Killingly, where Louis's grandfather, Comfort Tiffany, ran a, a textile mill. So his parents leave Connecticut in 1837 um, when Charles Lewis Tiffany moves to New York City uh, with a Connecticut friend, John Burnett Young, and they establish a fancy goods firm, Tiffany and Young, that of course later becomes the world-renowned firm of Tiffany and Company. So as the family grows, um, they return to Connecticut often in summers, holidays, vacations to visit both Louis's mother's side and on his father's side relatives in the vicinity of Norwich, New London, 
and the area around Killingly. So as Louis and his sister grow up, all many of their friends um, become Connecticut acquaintances and friends. And then as they grow a little bit older, both Louis and his elder sister, Annie, uh, find spouses who are from Connecticut. And Annie marries a man named Alfred Mitchell, and they acquire a home along the along beachfront property um, on Pequot Avenue in New London. And so Louis and his wife, uh, Mary Woodbridge Goddard, who is also from Norwich, come to visit almost every summer, particularly in the 1870s and early 1880s, and spend a great deal of time in New London and in Norwich, visiting family, going out sketching, painting. Uh, Louis paints the Connecticut countryside. Um, and it's really, it seems like a wonderful time. Now, Louis obviously has become world famous and significant uh, if you look at his artwork. But could you tell us a little bit about what is so important about him and what his work involves? Well, Louis, I feel, is is really best known for his innovations in the material of glass. That becomes the work, you know, that he's best known for, his innovations in both blown glass and leaded glass. In terms of, of sort of chemical composition, this, the creation of this fabrile glass that has a um, iridescent finish is something that he becomes well known for. But one thing that our exhibit emphasizes is really the breadth and the, it's, it's astounding the number of materials that he works with throughout the course of his career. And that was something that we wanted to establish because, you know, I think everyone is familiar with Tiffany glass lamps, Tiffany windows, and some of the, the glass vases. But I think, you know, some of the other aspects of his oeuvre are less familiar. His paintings um, and some of the work that comes out of, of his firms in terms of metalwork and jewelry uh, and work in, in almost every material imaginable. How does the exhibition use that wide variety of objects to really make that story known and to kind of connect it to Connecticut? I think, you know, there's really a lot for visitors to see. And it was partly the story that our collection could support, you know, that we had paintings, we sort of knew about some work. And I think, you know, the work that, that Louis does in the early phase of his career, when he's spending more time in Connecticut, is the work in sort of paintings and drawings and then in interior design as well. So to think of things we have in our collection, particularly several leaded glass windows that come from New London. Well, Tanya, you had told me too that something like we can all relate to, as a young man, Tiffany himself, Louis that is, did not want to be brought into dad's firm. He wanted to be out there on his own, applying his own interests. And in fact, those early on were as a painter. Isn't that right? Right. right. Yes, definitely. And so the first portion of the exhibition, in addition to talking about the family ties to Connecticut, uh, shows some of his work as a painter. And that's before he moves into the more experimental mode of 
decorative arts and interior design and, of course, as you mentioned, the glass. Yes, yes. I'm really struck by the three big windows. The exhibit has many small, really exquisitely crafted jewelry pieces. But then you turn the corner and there are these big, beautiful windows. Can you tell us how you got them and installed them? It's a big story, but I'll try to make it a little bit short. Uh, we This whole project actually got its uh, beginning when a, a church, the All Souls Church, a Unitarian church in New London, um, actually outgrew the sanctuary in which they were ensconced and had to find a larger uh, church building. but And they were in the process of selling their old one. And they felt a strong sense of stewardship for the large window, which is called Come Unto Me, the Christ figure with his, out, his arms outstretched. And so the All Souls Church approached the museum, or we approached them with an idea that we could provide a permanent display of this window for the people of New London, uh, in accordance, of course, with the original gift, which was a gift to the All Souls Church back in, was it 1924? Thank you. Um, and uh, the All Souls Church made it available to us at a price we could afford. Um, and so uh, what, with that as the beginning, we thought, okay, fine, this is a great idea. We'll look to contextualize it with a couple other objects in our collection. And mind you, I was just brand new here at the museum at the time, and I didn't know the full breadth and depth of our collection of his work. Um, and uh, so we started looking around, and I thought, my goodness, we'll need to make this a much larger event. And then it occurred to me that um, someone said that there was a mausoleum in the Cedar Grove Cemetery here in New London, a mausoleum of the family Frank Loomis Palmer, uh, in which there were had been two Tiffany windows, uh, which had been deinstalled after one of them had been stolen back in 1991. Um, it was recovered, fortunately, but because they were so concerned about the uh, uh, potential for vandalism or what have you, they never reinstalled them. So I approached the cemetery. And after a short amount of discussion, we resolved that we would also install these two windows in our exhibition as a tribute to the work by, of Louis Comfort Tiffany, as well as the uh, long-term uh, philanthropic support that the Frank Loomis Palmer family, either when he was alive or later on through his foundation, has given to not only this museum, but many other uh, nonprofit and charitable organizations in New London. So, long story, like I said, it came around where we received these two windows and we found that having been stored for 20 years, they were desperately in need of a restoration. And so we contacted the, the go-to conservator for Tiffany Windows, a fellow by the name of Thomas Venturella, who has a firm in New York City, and got him to agree to help us out. And then later on, got the Frank Loomis Palmer Foundation to help us out with the funding 
of the restoration of these windows. So it was all very neat and tidy, if you can say. And then we discovered that in addition to having to get the windows themselves in good condition, of course, they need to be illuminated from behind. And these days, with very new technology of LED light pads, custom-made here and there all over the globe, uh, we were able to install these very, very high-tech illumination pads for these very classic windows. And, giving, and they give the windows quite a nice appearance in our gallery, the portion of the gallery that we call the ecclesiastical section. Tiffany became involved with a group called Associated Artists that did interior design. They actually did a complete remodeling of the White House, and they also did, here in Connecticut, the interior for the Mark Twain House. What about that part of his career? We were so delighted to have the Mark Twain House be such a wonderful partner to us in this project. It's exciting that it's one of the few extant interiors designed by Tiffany and Associated Artists is, is so close by. And so their, their history and their story, you know, is one that, that kind of connects to, to ours, most certainly. And it's interesting. So after Tiffany spends, you know, his early kind of formative years as an artist painting, drawing, he shifts gears um, around 18, in the late 1870s, and becomes more interested in interior design, in thinking about surface and pattern. Um, and he is influenced, as many artists sort of are in this moment, you know, by a, a kind of range of elements in terms of aesthetic design um, coming out of, of Great Britain, interests from um, the Near East and the Far East. Um, and so there is this fascination with with a lot of imported objects and designs. And there's a beautiful, small leaded glass window that connects, I think, particularly well with our story that was, was designed by Louis to commemorate his parents' golden wedding anniversary. So sort of thinking back about their Connecticut beginnings and his, his work in glass, um, you know, it, it really kind of brings both of those elements together in a way that I think is quite beautiful. I think one of the things that struck me was that there are some very small objects, but they're very thoughtfully presented. There's a piece that has this uh, kind of a luster or iridescent finish on it that Tiffany did, but you've paired it with an ancient piece. Mm. Tell me a little bit about that. Mm. Yes, well, it's it's so nice to kind of think about ways that our own collection can amplify Tiffany's story. And this is one of, of the things he writes about as an important early inspiration for his work in glass, was this experience of seeing ancient glass that had been, you know, excavated, ancient Roman glass, on view on Tiffany's first trip to Europe uh, at the Victorian Albert Museum. And just how, how influential that was in sort of seeing there's this effect of beautiful kind of soap bubble iridescence that comes when ancient glass has been buried underground and it absorbs minerals um, over, over thousands of years. And so it was great to think of, of Roman glass that we have here at the Lyman Allen um, that 
points to kind of this early inspiration that Tiffany had. So we were delighted to kind of be able to show that side by side with, with Tiffany's iridescent glass as well. I was looking online at the Metropolitan Museum of Art's website, and they have some of the small catalogs that Tiffany's company produced, and they show things like death sets. I really want one of those death sets on my desk. But did you have those in your collection? Um, within that case, there are a few things. We have some candlesticks that are in our collection, but a number of the things, the desk set objects, were loans. And, you know, it's interesting because they were produced in fairly large numbers. So there are quite a few pieces of the, the desk set examples that are, are out there. And they were, you know, they're really, it does show this kind of range in terms of some things that Tiffany Studios produced that were unique, one-of-a-kind objects, whereas others were designed for a broader market. And we're delighted to kind of have some elements of both of those. But yeah, we, we did borrow a number of things to kind of showcase those, that desk set material. I was surprised to find out about the Mitchell connection. His sister married a Mitchell, and then Mitchell College was their summer home, right? Yes, yes. I think it was originally acquired with the idea that it would be a summer home, but they did live there year-round uh, some of the time. And the extended Tiffany family had several residences. There was a, a kind of a family home in New York City um, on 57th Street, on Madison Avenue, where each of the families had uh, a floor or a section of, of rooms. So they would kind of come and go, but they did have a very a long-term presence in New London. And a number of the Mitchell descendants also stayed within Connecticut and are, are still a strong presence and have been you know, the source of a lot of information and loaned objects. For, for the exhibition. So we're, we're grateful and, and excited, you know, to really be able to tell that story. Now his career, he was of course wildly successful and he had a period, for example, we think of the Mark Twain house in Connecticut because a lot of our listeners are familiar with that, but he actually did an interior, new interior design for the White House at one point, which is no longer there, but looks amazing. What was the, arc of his career because he's wildly successful and there's catalogs of items that you can purchase that have that arts and crafts aesthetic period look to them. What happens uh, to that factory and what happens to his career? Yeah, no, it's fascinating. I mean, I think it goes up and up for quite a while and there are certain I think things that he does that are, are very strategic um, in terms of the Art Nouveau work and presence in Europe was particularly strong. He was represented in, in Paris by the kind of quintessential, the best known Art Nouveau gallery. Uh, and a number of European institutions acquired his glass very early on. So, but then there is a point later, you know, in the, 18, or the 1920s and 30s, when modernism begins to come to the fore and this, you know, very ornate, decorative, Art Nouveau look, you know, in terms of, of the leaded glass lamps and some of the other jewelry and enamel 
falls out of fashion. And then I think, you know, when it does, it falls out fairly hard. So there is a period, you know, in the middle of the century uh, when many things are, are, you know, sort of stored away in dusty attics um, or lost. And then, then the story, of course, is that uh, the Tiffany material comes back, you know, in the 19, beginning a little bit in the 70s, 80s, 90s, of course, and to the point, you know, today where it is beloved and commands extraordinarily high prices at auction. Do you have any other stories that you want to share about how you put together the objects in the exhibit or restored the objects? Oh, there's so many fascinating <laughs> stories. I mean, one of my greatest thrills was being able to meet uh, a number of family descendants, both from the Mitchell side and uh, several members who are direct descendants of Louis, and to you know see things that they have in their houses that they live with. Um, and to hear the stories of some of these objects, it's really been very exciting um, to sort of see things. There's a beautiful a piece, a sterling silver ruler that had belonged to Alfred Mitchell that was, you know, kicking around, I think, in a kind of junk drawer in the house of one of the, the Bingham family members. And they hadn't thought about it until, you know, I was visiting and sort of asked, you know, if they might have anything else. And they said, oh, you know, there's that, that ruler. We should see if we could find that. And they brought it out. And it was engraved, you know, and it had been dedicated as a gift to Alfred Mitchell Christmas, I think, 1888. Um, and just such beautiful detail on this very, you know, useful utilitarian object. Well, and wasn't it rather tarnished when you first got it? Yes. So that's one of the wonders. You have so-called conservation or restoration. When you just clean something, all of a sudden it comes to life. Right, yeah. right, indeed. Yeah. Uh, you will not find anything like that in my junk drawer. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Uh, and then how long did you work on this? This show... Uh, had a long gestation period, but it actually started, we bought the big window in October of 2014. Let's take a short break and hear about a new program from the State Historian's Office. We'll be right back with more about Tiffany. I'm Walt Woodward. I want to tell you about a brand new initiative by the Office of the State Historian and Connecticut Humanities. It's called Today in Connecticut History. Every day of the year at todayinctshistory.com, we tell you about a fascinating, often little-known event that happened on that very day in the past. Todayinctshistory.com provides an article, great images, and audio about the event from our daily WNPR broadcast. You can even subscribe to receive a morning email telling you what big event happened in this state on that date. This is your history, and it's worth knowing, and I hope you'll visit todayinctshistory.com soon. Todayinctshistory.com, because big things happen in this state on this date. The Lyman Allen Art Museum is such a great day trip. What will our listeners find when they get there? They, it's, it's exactly the kind of 
building you expect. It's um, a neoclassical building made out of granite with columns in the front. Um, and it has a very uh, distinguished appearance. It's um, not enormous in size when you think of some of the larger institutions on the East Coast, but uh, it's quite a distinguished collection as well. One that has as a primary um, uh, attribute being uh, American art from the 18th to the 20th century, indeed up until the current time. We've been emphasizing contemporary work lately. Um, but in addition to the uh, permanent installation of our American uh, perspectives, uh, as well as the special installation, permanent as it is, for the Louis Comfort Tiffany, we have a revolving, uh, I like to call it a smorgasbord, uh, you know, a large menu of changing shows upstairs that cover the gamut. On these 12 acres of rolling Connecticut land, right next to the Conn College, Connecticut College, we have been trying to invite the public to use our land for free, the park as it were, by uh, installing more and more outdoor sculpture. Let's hear one more thing from Tanya about the famous Tiffany windows. Yeah, I think one thing that has proven very successful um, about the installation is the sense of immediacy, as well as a kind of enclosed, this, the space in which the windows are installed has is, is separated from the rest of the exhibition. And Sam, I think you had described it as this sort of ecclesiastical space. And it is, it really, you know, you kind of come around this corner and it's this breathtaking experience to see the windows. And visitors can get quite close to them, which is not generally the case, you know, when you're visiting windows in a church or in another museum setting often. And it's very helpful just, you know, to appreciate their beauty and to experience, you know, the, the kind of spiritual sort of sensibility um, about the windows. And I also have found it useful to show um, some of the ways in which Tiffany windows are so special that they contain several different types of specialty glass that Tiffany and his craftspeople designed and really kind of worked in terms of the glass's chemistry um, to create. So there is this rippled glass yeah. in the water. Yeah. You uh, see the ripple and you wonder, is it really? Indeed it is. It's yes, rippled. It's yes. physically rippled. Right. And then there are other, other aspects of the technique where Tiffany Studios, they layer plates of glass in different places to, to give depth to the color and a sense of added texture. And if you if you stand sort of flush with the wall almost, you can see that three-dimensionality in a way that I think, you know, you wouldn't wouldn't be able to see if it were installed um, as it originally was. Indeed, there's one picture. Uh, we have a photo reproduction of the large uh, Holy Family window that is actually dedicated to Captain Lyman Allen, which is installed in the St. James Church downtown. And that's a very large window. Actually, our photo reproduction of it is only about half size, and it's way up uh, uh, high, maybe 20 feet off the ground in the church. So there's no possibility that one could ever 
inspect that or see it up close and appreciate all the artistry that goes into it. Now, we only present a photo reproduction of it because obviously it's in situ and uh, that's one of the nice things about coming to New London. There are a number of places where you can see other works by him. Uh, but um, my point is that in our gallery, you can, as Tanya said, get a very immediate uh, encounter with the works. What's coming up at the museum? Well, there's always something great to come and see. Uh, of course, the director would say that, but uh, it's true. Starting at the end of March, we're going to pull the switch and show contemporary Chinese landscapes uh, executed by artists from mainland China. This will be a special exhibition curated by our colleague up in Khan College by the name of uh, Professor Yibing Huang, who knows many of the artists involved. And I'm sure this will be a, a real mind-blowing exhibition uh, coming up. Also, along the lines of contemporary work, in the summer, we're very happy to uh, be able to announce that we're going to be showing entire suite of large collage, photo collages by Robert Rauschenberg, an exhibition which will be on loan to us from the Mattituck Museum in Waterbury. Thanks, Tanya and Sam. And thanks to Hartford musician Miles Elliott for the music used in this episode. For Grading the Nutmeg, this is Mary Donahue. Thanks for listening. We wish to thank Tanya Port, curator, and Sam Quigley, executive director of the Lyman Allen Art Museum. Read our story about Lewis Comfort Tiffany in the winter 2018-2019 issue online at ctexplore.org. For more information about the Lyman Allen's exhibition, Lewis Comfort Tiffany in New London, and the Lyman Allen Art Museum, visit lymanallen.org. To see a fantastic interior designed by Lewis Comfort Tiffany and his firm, Associated Artists, visit the Mark Twain House and Museum in Hartford. This episode was hosted and produced by Mary Donahue and engineered by Patrick O'Sullivan. To hear more episodes of Grading the Nutmeg, subscribe on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, SoundCloud, or at gradingthenutmeg.libsyn.com. And for more great Connecticut history stories, subscribe to Connecticut Explored, the magazine of Connecticut history, at ctexplore.org. Through May 31, 2019, we've got a special offer for Grading the Nutmeg listeners. For just $20, you'll receive six issues for the price of four with coupon code GTNSPRING19. That's two free issues added to a one-year subscription with coupon GTNSPRING19 when you subscribe by May 31, 2019 at ctexplore.org. This is Walt Woodward, hoping you'll join us next time for another episode of Grading the Nutmeg.